our relationships this morning. We all need them. We all have them. And we also all tend to struggle with making those relationships what they could be, to reach their potential, to keep them strong and meaningful. I mean, the Bible affirms our need for relationships. If you go all the way back to the creation story in Genesis, it says that God created Adam, and God brought to Adam all the animals, and he named them all. But even though he had this wonderful relationship with the natural world, it was not enough. Adam was alone. And God said, that's not good. And so he created Eve, because he knew that Humanity was meant to walk through this journey of life in partnership with others, together with others. 
why are relationships so hard? Why do we struggle with them so much? I've been thinking about that a lot this week. And if you look into the scriptures, you find that in the New Testament alone, there are over 40 verses that talk about relationships. And they do it by using the phrase, one another. One another. One another. Now, I don't have time to look at all 40 of them. And you probably don't want to hear me talk about all 40 of them. But I will single out three that I think have something valuable to teach us about our relationships and how we can make them stronger and better. And the first one has to be John 13, 34 and 35. Now this, this scripture is in the context of the Last Supper. Jesus has eaten with his disciples. He has given them new meaning for the bread and the cup, representing his body and shed blood. He's washed the disciples' feet, and then he turns to them and says, A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. Now Jesus was not one to waste words. <laughs> so if he says one another three times in two verses, we need to take note of that. And what does he want us to do for one another? Love. Now we talk about that all the time. That as Christians, as a church, we're supposed to love one another. But that's a pretty generic term. What does it really mean? How is that really meant to be expressed? So let's get very specific about it this morning. I think when Jesus says to love one another... He's talking about four things. We are to be kind to one another. We are to treat each other with gentleness. We are to show compassion to one another. And we are to forgive one another. Those four things, kindness, gentleness, compassion, forgiveness, I think incorporate what he means when he says love one another. And we might say, okay, I can do that most of the time with a few people. I can do it some of the time with some of the people. And I'm not going to do it at all with those people. <laughs> I mean, if we're just honest about it, we can kind of sort people out in our mind, can't we, in our relationships. Okay, Lord, I'm okay here. Not too bad here. Ain't happening over there. Let's just be honest. So, uh, but notice he didn't say, I suggest to you, I recommend to you, I would appreciate it if you loved one another. No, he, he used the authority that he has as the Son of God and says, a new command I give you. He commands us to love one another. And not just the ones that we find it easy to do. And not just the ones that we can do sometime. But even these folks over here to whom we, we have never really sought to extend our love before. To be kind, to be gentle, to be compassionate and forgiving. And let's make it even harder. By following the example of Jesus, it means we not only do those four things, but we do them consistently. We do them unconditionally, 
and we do them even sacrificially. Oh, now we've just made it too hard, haven't we? But yet, that's what Jesus did. And that's what he commands us to do. In fact, he said that is to be the hallmark of those who follow me. They will know you are a Christian if you carry the biggest Bible in town. No, if you wear the biggest cross around your neck. If you have the best Christian t-shirt with the slogan on it. If you have a nice bumper sticker on your car. No. They will know you are my disciple if you love one another. If you treat each other with kindness. If you're gentle. If you're compassionate and forgiving. And you do it consistently and unconditionally and sacrificially to these people, these people, and yes, even these people. He asks a lot, but he has a right to. Does Jesus not have the right to ask that of us? Because he did himself exactly what he's asking us to do. So the question is, how are we doing at loving one another. How many people do I really love the way Jesus wants me to love? Do I love my spouse like that? Do I love my kids like that? My grandkids? My family? Do I love people I work with like that? Do I love the people I go to church with like that? And I'm not going to ask you to go out of here and say, from this moment on, you love everybody that way right now. That's not going to happen. But what can happen, and what I'm going to challenge you to do, is I want you to think of one single person. And say, I'm going to love that person the way Jesus asked me to love this week. I'm going to focus my effort and my attention upon loving that person kindly, gently, compassionately, and forgiving them, if, if need be. Over and over again, consistently, unconditionally, and if I must, even sacrificially. And what do I mean by that? That means even when they don't reciprocate. <laughs> You may be thinking of somebody that you're going to love that way that may not love you. And they may not receive your love. They may spurn it. So what happens then? Gee, I don't know. Maybe we should look at the example of Jesus. There just happens to be a scripture about that. 1 Peter 2, 21 to 23 he says, to this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. In other words, when Jesus sought to love people who rejected his love, who spurned his love, who threw his love back in his face, he responded by 
loving them anyway. How do I know that? Because he hung on a cross. And on that cross, he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. That was an act of love, pure and simple. And he did it for the people who rejected him, ignored him, mistreated him, abused him, and crucified him. Nobody's ever treated me as badly as they treated Jesus. So if he could love them in spite of that, does he not have the right to ask me to love those who hurt me in spite of that? I think he does. I think he does. Have you thought of somebody? All right, now I'm going to make it harder. This is going to mess you all up. You cannot pick the person that you're already close to doing it. You know, if you say, okay, here's somebody that I'm, I'm pretty well loving that way. I'm about 80% there. It won't be that hard to give them 20% more. You can't pick that one. You have to pick somebody for whom it is going to be a true challenge to love. Getting personal this morning, aren't we? Yeah, we are. Romans 12.10 is another one another verse. It says, be devoted to one another in love and honor one another above yourselves. What those verses tell us is that relationships are never easy. They require effort, commitment, devotion. Notice up to this point, I've not use two words that when you talk about loving people you almost always use I've not said a thing about feelings or emotions two things that to us are integral to love we tend to love people we feel good about we tend to love people that we have positive emotions about but notice that that doesn't play into Jesus' equation at all. Nowhere did he said, a new command I give you, love one another if you feel like it. Love one another if they're lovable. Love one another if you have warm, fuzzy feelings toward them. No. He just says love one another, period. See, in order to love people the way Jesus wants us to love people, we have to get past this idea that I can't love somebody I don't feel good about, somebody I don't like, somebody I don't have warm and positive emotions about. Yes, you can. Do you think Jesus had warm, fuzzy feelings about the religious leaders who dragged him out of the garden at midnight and put him through a series of mock trials? Do you think Jesus had positive emotions about the Roman soldiers who mocked him and spit on him and beat him and put thorns on his head and nails through his hands and feet? No, he is human, the Bible said. His emotions and feelings would have been all over the board. Jesus did what he did when he asked God to forgive them on the cross in spite of his emotions, in spite of his feelings, because he had been sent into this world to love God's people. 
no matter what. And we have been left on this earth as followers of Jesus Christ to do the very same thing. That's why we have to be devoted to one another. Because devotion can override feelings and emotions. It's going to get hard again. In order to do what Jesus is asking us to do, we have to be willing to give up the right to be right. We love to stand on our rights. That's part of being an American. I have the right to speak up. I have the right to protest. I have the right to carry a gun. I have the right to, and you can put a whole long list of things there. I have all kinds of rights. And people will come into my office and they're all messed up in some relationship and they'll say, don't I have a right to be angry, to feel hurt, to, to want to uh, get back at this person in some way? Don't I have a right to withhold forgiveness when they have done these things to me? No. I don't know where those rights come from. They certainly don't come from God's Word. I do acknowledge and validate that that's how they feel. You have a right to feel that way, but you do not have a right to act upon those feelings if you are a follower of Jesus Christ. The only right we have is the right to do what's right in God's eyes, not ours. How many relationships have been destroyed because we stood on our rights and we're still standing on them? My mother got into a feud with a couple of her brothers and sisters that lasted for over 20 years. They didn't speak to each other. Didn't write to each other. They lived uh, in, in Kentucky, most of them. My mom, of course, was here in Indianapolis. Broke off all communication, cut off the relationship for over 20 years. And one by one, they died. And they died angry. And they died unforgiving. And I regret to this day that they did not find it in their hearts to love. To make the relationship more important than the right to be hurt. Because that's what it does. It destroys relationships. I wish we could all be like we were when we were kids. You remember when you were kids? I'd, I'd be a little kid and my friend would come over to play and he'd say, Roger, let's go out and play ball. And I'd say, no, I want to stay in here and play with Legos. Of course, they weren't Legos because I'm too old for that. Um, I don't know, some kind of precursor of Legos, some kind of Lincoln Logs. There we go. Thank, I, had, I had to come up with it. Lincoln, I had, how many had Lincoln Logs? Tinker Toys. Huh? Huh? Those were, those were our Legos, okay? 
But I'd want to play with the Lincoln Logs, and he'd want to go out and toss the ball around. I'd say, no, I don't want to do that. And he'd say, fine, if you don't want to play with me the way I want to play, then I'm not going to be your friend anymore. And storm out the house. Was that relationship lost forever? How oh, about 30 minutes? Because I'd get tired of playing Lincoln Logs, and I'd go out and get on my bike, and I'd ride by his house and go, Hey, Billy, you want to go ride? Sure. And he'd jump on his bike, and off we go. I mean, we could forgive pretty quick. <laughs> we knew how to lay down those, those hurt feelings pretty quickly. But something happens when we become adults, and we, we lose that flexibility, and we begin to hold on much longer to the hurts that people do in our lives. One more. Romans 12, 15, and 16 says, Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. This is the definition of empathy. To be empathetic is to be able to put yourself in another person's place and feel what they feel even if it's not your experience. So when Paul says rejoice with those who rejoice, I can come alongside of you and you are experiencing a great blessing and you are rejoicing and your life is happy and my life is miserable. But I can set aside my misery and I can enter into your joy and share it with you. Or switch it around. My life's great. <laughs> Everything's great. But I come alongside you and you're, you're in pain. You're hurting. And I can enter into your pain. I can cry with you. And I can seek to help you carry that burden that you're dealing with. Even though I, everything's good for me. That's part of what Jesus is calling us to do. Part of this loving one another. To truly rejoice with one another. To weep with one another. To live, as it says, in harmony with one another. And that means it's the kind of relationship where instead of thinking, what is this going to do for me? What am I going to get out of this? How will I benefit from it? It's a relationship that's all about what do you need? What can I do for you? How can this relationship enrich your life? And if you've got two people thinking that way, that's what living in harmony means. You're in sync with each other. You've got two people who are each seeking the good of the other, who are sacrificing for the other, who are giving their best for the other. You've got a beautiful relationship. That's what God wants us to have as followers of Jesus Christ. Do you have your person? Will you seek to love them this week by being kind and gentle and compassionate and forgiving and to do that consistently and unconditionally? And 
even sacrificially. Because that's what Jesus is going to do for you. Let us pray. God, if we're honest right now, we're thinking this is really hard. <laughs> I mean, there are some things you command us to do that we feel like we can do. This one doesn't feel like that. This feels like something that is beyond us. And in truth, it is. May we understand, Father, that you didn't ask us to love people like you love out of our human nature. But you ask us to do it by the power of your Spirit. As followers of Jesus, we have the Spirit of Christ, the Holy Spirit within us. You don't ask us to do what we can't do. You ask us to allow you to do what only you can do through us. So Lord, I pray that each and every one of us right here this morning will just open our heart wide and say, Lord, as you have loved so I will love. But it's beyond me. So you take it from here. This name that we have in our minds, love them through me. Let me be the instrument of your love to them this week. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.